<clears throat> may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Here ends our first reading. The epistle is found in Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. It's found on page 1,121 in the Church Bibles. The remnants of Israel. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see, and ears that could not hear to this very day. And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent forever. The engrafted branches. Again I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? I am talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Here ends the epistle reading. The gospel is written in Matthew chapter 15, starting with verse 21, found on page 971 in the Church Bibles. And out of respect for the, for the gospel, please rise. The faith of a Canaanite woman. 
Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, and for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Here ends the gospel reading. Basically, in prayer, what if she had not done that? Would her daughter ever have been healed from demon possession? Well, here's what the Bible has to say. Here's how it's said in the New Testament book of James. You do not have because you do not ask God. Thankfully, she asked. She asked God. And he answered. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Then Jesus answered. Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. That mom was a prayer warrior for her daughter, wasn't she? Which is exactly what we need to be for our children and for our grandchildren. And if you don't have kids and if you don't have grandkids, then adopt somebody else's kids or grandkids because you need to be a prayer warrior for kids. Are you? I have to own the fact that that's an area of my faith practice, of living out my faith, that I need to grow in. How about you? Well, to that end, let's back up and let's unpack this rather unusual story from the earthly ministry of Jesus. And I, I call it unusual because the responses of Jesus to this woman, I think, were rather unusual. This mother, and, and let's give her a name. And at first, as I was writing this out, I gave her the name Naomi. But then I thought about it. I said, no, you know what? I'm going I'm to honor my own mom. And so we're going to call her Viva, or Vi, as she was known. Okay. So, so Vi approaches Jesus with all due respect and in complete recognition of who he is. Lord, son of David. She's saying he's the Messiah. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. What we would normally expect from Jesus doesn't happen. I mean, up to this point, you follow the story of Jesus... And every time anybody came up to him with, with acknowledgement of who he was and a request for something, Jesus always gave compassion to them and answered them. But not this time. 
Matthew says, Jesus did not answer her a word. That's pretty unusual and out of character for Jesus. So, uh, so following this and, and thinking that they're taking their cue from, their, from Jesus, God bless them, those disciples, suggest that Jesus basically tell this woman to get lost. In fact, they don't just suggest it, they urge. They urge it. They urged him. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And after, at this, Jesus continues with his seemingly unusual responses. Keeping in mind that this is a Canaanite woman. She's not from the house of Israel. She is not a Jew. Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As if he were saying, she's not someone that I came to help. I ask you, do you ever recall Jesus saying that to anyone else? Do you ever recall him saying, sorry, but my job description doesn't include helping you? It's, it's as though in, upon hearing that, that, that Vi either wasn't listening to Jesus or that she was choosing not to hear that comment of Jesus' disciples. And so she comes back again to Jesus. Lord, help me, she says, kneeling before Jesus. And Jesus' response? Well, let me put it this way. Some have taken Jesus' response to suggest kind of a veiled insult to her. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Would Jesus do that? I mean, I, I ask you, when have you ever encountered Jesus saying something derogatory or insulting towards someone? The only instance I can think of from time to time, the Pharisees and the scribes. Like just before this event happened, Jesus kind of gave a veiled insult to the Pharisees and the scribes by calling them blind guides. But other than that, I can't think of him going off on anyone else. Can you? I mean, time after time, Jesus treated everyone Case in point, how about the woman who was caught in adultery and everybody else wanted to stone her? Did Jesus show her any disrespect? He did not, did he? Time after time, Jesus always gave the utmost respect to those who came to him. And, 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 and Vi's response to this? It's as though she doesn't even flinch. She is a true prayer warrior. Jesus says, it's not right to give the food from the table to the dogs. And she comes back and she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So here's my take on these rather unusual behaviors and responses that took place between Jesus 
and Viva. Jesus did what he did so that everyone else who would ever hear about this story or read about this story, such as you and me, so that everyone else would come to know exactly what he saw and what he knew at that moment. He saw and he knew that woman's faith without these things, but so that we could see and so that we could know her persistent faith. Woman, you have great faith. And seeing what we've seen, there's no doubting it, is there? Her persistence. She had great faith. We've seen it with our own eye. Have it. You know, honestly, I think we owe Viva a word of thanks for unknowingly putting up with everything that she went through just so we could see the reality of Jesus' words about her. She did have great faith. Which is what made her such a prayer warrior. She had faith that God would answer. She had faith that God would respond. And given who he was, what she was coming to Jesus and asking him to do, heal her daughter from demon possession. She had faith he would do that because he had said that's exactly what he had come to do. From Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was in the temple and the scroll of Isaiah had been given to him and he read from the scroll and then he put down the scroll and he began to speak and he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. Case in point, a little further on, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus encounters a man who is possessed by a demon. And Jesus commands the demon to come out of him. Be quiet, come out of him. And the demon leaves the man without injuring him. Luke notes then that the news about Jesus spread throughout the surrounding area. I've got to believe that somehow that news spread to her. And so she believed, and so she came, and so she asked, and so she received. And so you and I can as well, like Vi, we can be prayer warriors for our children and for our grandchildren. Like her, you do believe that Jesus is the Messiah, don't you? Like her, you've read the stories of what Jesus can do. You know what he can do. The Bible has told you what he can do. And even more than that, with all your heart, I know 
with all your heart and with all your soul, you love your kids. And you love your grandkids. Your kids need your prayers. Your grandchildren need your prayers. And again, if you don't have kids, if you don't have grandkids, look around and adopt some because they need your prayers. They need us to be prayer warrior parents and prayer warrior grandparents. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In, in Vi, this lady in the text, we see what that might look like. And you know, God gives us that desire to follow his will and be people who are people of prayer. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Vi's story stands as testimony and a monument to that truth. And she's not the only one. How about Jairus and his prayer for his daughter? Or how about Mary and Martha and, and their prayer for their brother? His faithfulness, his promise to answer our prayer moves us to pray for our kids and our grandkids because we know even more than we love them, he loves them and he will answer. And for those times when you're wondering either about the answer that you've been given to your prayer or if the answer is ever going to be coming to your prayer for your kids, like the three times that she asked Jesus made me think of the three times that Paul asked Jesus from 2 Corinthians. Listen to Paul as he shares his own experience, getting an answer to the prayer, not in a way that he expected. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. That's yet another promise of God that enables us to be prayer warriors for our children and for our grandchildren. This is within our reach because this is a matter of God's grace. And he also gives us his word to use for our prayers so that we can have the confidence we're asking God exactly what he wants our children to have. Like Psalm 23, for example. Lord, shepherd my children. Shepherd my grandchildren. Guide them in the right way, Lord. Lead them in the path of righteousness. Lord, when they are in danger, walk with them. Lord, when they're sitting with people who don't like them, you, please anoint their head with oil and let them know that you love them. 
Let your mercy follow them all the days of their life, Lord. And Lord, finally, when their days are over, take them to live with you forever. See how he gives us the word and it becomes a prayer for us. Rest assured, he will answer. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, says Jesus, he will give it to you. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.